We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. Wait, he throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle, he pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. The Rams' sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek C. Apollo with the man, the myth, the legend, Norm Hightower, for our week three preview podcast. We're covering everything for the Battle of L.A. Norm, how you feeling, buddy? Great. How you doing, bud? I'm getting anxious for this game. i got to be honest with you. This is, this is going to be a good one. This is the test. This is when we figure out if the Rams are for real or not. Well, we think they are, but you know the talent level says we are. We're, we're about to find out for real. Yep. Um, folks, uh, if you could head over to iTunes, we're slowly, and I stress the word slowly, creeping towards that hundred five star reviews. 
Really appreciate all the support there. You can subscribe. You can also find us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, all those places. Pretty much almost everywhere you can find a podcast, we're there. And we'll work on getting some more, on some more platforms as well. So, also, don't forget, we're on IEBeatRadio.com. They air our show Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. All right, here we go. Battle for L.A. Week. Tonight, we had the Bolton Blue writer and Lightning Round host Garrett Sisti on the show. He's been on before. Good guy. Uh, Norm, before you even get to him, though, what do you think is really at stake for the Rams this week? You know, I, I don't buy the Battle of L.A. hype, so that, to me, doesn't really matter. What matters to me is I, I want to see where our defense is at. So far, you know, the last six quarters, Big Goose Egg or, or in Wade Phillips' words, donuts going up, and uh, that's exciting. But this is a real true test for our defense. Phillip Rivers, you know, lots of stars on there uh, on the Chargers squad. They've got a running game. They've got a passing game. They've got an elite quarterback. So this is the time for our defense to really show us what they can do. And then, of course, their defense isn't too shabby either. So, you know, this will be our, our first true test on both sides of the ball. And, and I'm just – I think what's at stake is where we're at right now. Are, are we are we an elite team already, you know, going into week three, or do we still have some work to do? And I think that's what this game's going to tell us. I also wonder if the Rams, where they are maturity-wise – this is a team that's got several veterans mixed in with the young guys. I just look at it and go, the Vikings are next Thursday night. And is it possible that this team will look past the Chargers to the Vikings? Because the Vikings, to me, is the even bigger test. And we'll find out how mature this team is come Sunday if they go out there with a, like a house on fire and just go right after the Chargers. And uh, also, one more thing to you, I, it's, in, it's interesting to me that you talked about the, the Battle of L.A. not being this real big thing. Michael Brockers on, uh, was on Twitter tonight. He's like, he doesn't seem as a big deal. He's like, I still see him as the Chargers. I'm paraphrasing there. So I guess the Rams players are more in line with what you're thinking, that eh, it's the Chargers. They're across town. They're in different facilities. They're not even near us right now. It's not really a battle for L.A. Yeah, I, I think the team's mature enough to... You know, I think most people are mature enough to go, you know what, the Rams are L.A., the Chargers are San Diego, now transplanted in L.A. Uh, I really just don't see that there's such a big deal there. And if you look at the crowd sizes and, and so forth, I think that kind of tells the tale there. And I'd rather focus on what's important. And the Battle of L.A., to me, isn't important. This team showing their maturity, showing that they're ready to have one hell of a season. That's what I want to see. That's more important to me. A win is more important to me than, you know, a battle for L.A. All right, folks, so that's where we are to kind of get started tonight. Real quick before we bring Garrett on, I want to ask you that, hey, if you are really into Rams history and you like it with a bit of personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's Hollywood team, Rick Glamour, the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. But check out this son's story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. We about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Lakes Hurst, Tom Fears, and Les Richter, in this story span the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. Both you can find Hawk's book online at HollywoodsTeam.com and on Twitter at HollywoodsTeam. 
It's available in both hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Folks, it's worth it. And I, something I haven't mentioned about this book before, this really wasn't meant to be this, this grandiose history book. It's more of a, you know, this personal story from Jim to his dad. It meant a lot to him to be able to write this. And what many people don't know is a lot of this actually goes to charity. So if you could, go pick it up. We also have a couple books available through our weekly trivia contests, and nobody entered it this week. So hopefully at the end of the show, you guys go, go get a book, okay? You ready for this, Storm? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay, folks, here is our interview with the Lightning Rounds. Garrett Sisti, here it goes. All right, guys, I'm here with Garrett Sisti from the Lightning Round podcast, also writes for Bolts from the Blue. Garrett, welcome to the show. Are you ready for Battle for L.A.? I'm ready. I'm ready. I don't know how much of a battle it is, but I am ready. Well, that's what we want to really kind of investigate here. The big shocker in week one was to me, because I I actually had the charge going 15-1. Oh, wow. I, I really... I bought the Charger Kool-Aid, okay? I just felt like the division was weaker. Then, right away, the Chiefs beat them 38-28. And honestly, I given the talent level on the Chargers right now, I, did, I, I thought it would be more of a blowout than 31-20 in Buffalo. So help me kind of navigate what's really going on with this Chargers team. What can you tell me about them? So on the defensive end, and in, and in week one, it was basically Tyreek Hill who torched him because Travis Kelsey had one catch. It was eight yards. Kareem Hunt had under 50 yards. I know everybody that had him in fantasy knows all about that. But, um, you know, nobody hurt them except Tyreek Hill. And, you know, the Chargers are dealing with a lot of rookies on the back end. They have Derwin James, their first-round safety. They got Kaiser White, who's drafted uh, in day three as their linebacker. They've got a lot of new pieces so they kind of just let the speed take care of it and uh Tyreek Hill burnt him and you know he's not only scored the touchdown offense but also returned a kick so special teams was an issue in week one but in week two with the Bills the Chargers got off to an early lead scored 28 points in the first half and then basically coasted through the second half through the third and fourth quarter it wasn't so much that the Bills shut him down it was that the Chargers just didn't really you know step on the gas they kind of just let up and kind of you know said hey if Josh Allen can beat us then we'll we'll get back into it but and of course he couldn't and so uh you know you'd like for them to go for the kill in the second half but um some people are saying that the Chargers were trying not to put too much on tape because he knows how you know what kind of guy Sean McVay is and if they put too many good plays on tape in the second half in a game that they were on their way to winning anyway uh that would be bad for week three so that that's kind of the theory floating around there but you know, in week two, they knew, you know, the Bills defense stinks, their offense stinks. They knew that they got out to an early lead and just kind of let it go from there. And so now heading into week three, what is the feeling about this matchup with your new crosstown rivals? Well, I mean, look, you know, the Rams are now 2-0, and favorite to win the Super Bowl. I think they're 5-1 to odds now. I mean, they have the best odds to win the Super Bowl. So everybody knows what good of a team this is in the Rams. And I don't think the chargers have really been tested through two games that yeah, they lost in game one and there was a lot of bad drops and stuff in game one. They should have put a lot more points on the board, but this is the true test. You know, um, they haven't really gone against the real running back Kareem hunt and LaShawn McCoy didn't really run a lot because the games were kind of lopsided. One, the bills had a throw in game two, but in game one, Tyreek Hill was the guy they kept going to. So, 
Now they got to face Todd Gurley, who's not only an incredible running back, but also a dangerous man of the backfield. You've got a rookie like Kaiser White matched up with him. So, uh, and the run defense hasn't really been tested. So the third round pick, Justin Jones, the uh, defensive tackle is going to be tested. So there are a lot of questions here and nobody quite knows how good this team is because both wins and losses were kind of crooked. You know, they didn't they didn't fight and lose any games. They were just kind of blown out by one player in game one and then just were a better team in game two. They didn't really have to do much. So this is the true test. And, uh, you know, we're all kind of seeing if this team can compete. Yeah, Norm and I, we'd love to give you a hard time, especially because, you know, you're you're a San Diego guy and you're still you stuck with your team. That's props yeah. to you. But watching this battle for L.A. as a San Diego guy – how does this feel for you, and, and how are other fans like you dealing with it? I think we're all conflicted. I think everybody, uh, other than the fans that are from L.A. and people who don't really care about this stuff, but it seems like most Charger fans want the players and the coaches to succeed, but they don't want the owner to, and they want the owner to fall on his face. So there's part rooting for your home team, the team you've always rooted for, and then also not wanting the owner to get any credibility and get any credit with any wins or going to the playoffs or anything like that you know they all wanted to and i think everybody's kind of hoping that you know nationally it's getting recognition that they can't fill a soccer stadium and most of it is opposing fans and you know this fight for la is so one-sided that you know you can go to any place in la and you'll find more ram stuff than you will charger stuff if there are any charger stuff at all you'll probably find more ucla and usc stuff than you will charger so it's a weird time to be a charger fan and especially those who you know followed them while they were in san diego it is it's a tough time there's there's a lot of strife among the fan base do you guys find the same thing with the old st louis fans and the new la fans we do to a degree there's been some sort of uh, let me say They've made peace with it to a degree. There are a few of them still out there. A couple who were actually part of the media in St. Louis who mm-hmm. still want to keep this going. And they'll, they like, uh, there's a, I won't say who it was, but there was a, a member, a former member of the media who actually put up online on Sunday during the game, like, panorama footage of the crowd and then started making all kinds of comments about it. But if you looked at the film, if you looked at the actual footage, it was before the game. He, yeah. he was acting like it was during the game. But yet, 66,000 people were there at the game, and there's all kinds of published pictures that shows that crowd. Now, you put 66K in the Coliseum, that's a good crowd, because that, I mean, that stadium sucks. I can yeah. vouch for it. That stadium sucks. No yeah, NFL team should ever play there again. It's way, you know, it's outdated. way honest. It's so outdated. You can't see anything there. It, it's it's not a great place. There's no real great place to park. The tailgating there is awful. Yeah, I could never blame any fan for not going to a game at Memorial Stadium, not the Coliseum, not because of the the fact of its value for history. It's just not a great place to watch a game anymore. I'd rather go to Maggie's Pub or to another place to to uh, to watch a game. It's just mm-hmm. more fun. So, yeah, you know, I, I took I can totally get it. And then we come back to you guys. You're talking about can't fill a soccer stadium. That was on the news where I'm at. <laughs> In Ohio, yeah. and that was in the news. All these Kansas City Chiefs fans, and w- where are the Chargers, you know, fans at? What is the yeah. real deal with this right now? 
Well, I mean, the reality is, is that they can't fill a soccer stadium. I mean, what I don't know what the NFL does. And in the first year, you know, you kind of thought it was expected because, you know, Dean Spanos, the owner of the Chargers, kind of split Charger fans and there weren't any Charger fans in L.A. And so, you know, you kind of expected a slow go. But then in year two, when you're talking about a team, I mean, you had them going 15 and one. A lot of people have them going to the Super Bowl, at least making the playoffs, definitely winning the division. I mean, you know, this is a team that has high expectations and there's only 27,000 in that stadium. I mean, you're getting there. There are quotes out there that there are Texas high school stadiums that are getting more people in their stands than Chargers, a professional football team, are on Sundays. And it is sad. So, you know, I think ultimately the NFL is starting to see that maybe Dean Spanos oversold his hand and maybe, you know, that we will. They're saying, you know, they'll eventually get the fans. Maybe that's not the case. You know, I, I don't know. How much longer and how many you know games they have to win? They were either they're on the cusp of making the playoffs last year, and they can't do it this year. So uh, the reality is, is they're in trouble, and the NFL has like some serious conversations to have because it's just gaining steam. There's it's it's everywhere. It's not just in local San Diego, LA markets. It's everywhere. You, you know, in Ohio, you're seeing it. You're seeing it everywhere. It's published. You know, in New York Times, you're seeing it everywhere. So it is no secret that. You know, the that Dean Spanos ripped this fan base apart, and he's not getting any help from any of the LA fans now. I kind of view it as I'm not sure what Spanos was thinking from the beginning. I, I just don't. You, you, for years, you know, the the Chargers left LA after what was it one or two seasons? Was it two seasons or one? One. It was one. Okay, so there for one year. In the process, yeah. the Rams move in. Well, Rams are already there, but the Raiders move in. They move out. But there's a large Raider fan base there. I hate to say it, but there is. Okay. A large yeah. chunk of Rams fans stuck around. Other other people out there fell in love with the Cowboys and the 49ers and so on and so forth. But one thing, can, you know, being AFC West rivals, Raiders, Chargers, LA fans were already pretty much raised to hate the Chargers. Yeah. <laughs> and you move the team to Los Angeles, and I, it doesn't surprise me at all they've had struggles. And plus, everybody knows how Spanos treated it. Yeah. And so I just can't help but wonder, is it even possible to win? I had this team going 15-1. In hindsight, being 2020, I was naive with it because there is just too much turmoil that that team has to face day in and day out. How do you, there's no way a human being, a group of 53, 54 men, can avoid all that garbage, can avoid looking at SubHub Center and seeing most of the fans there are opposing fans. I, I know that we talked about this all last season, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, it's the same thing. And, you know, you talked about LA fans were raised to hate San Diego fans. It's the same vice versa. So, you know, at, in baseball, it was Padres versus Dodgers. Mm-hmm. And that was a big rivalry and still is. And so San Diego is always raised to hate LA. LA's raised to hate San Diego. They're rivals. That's just how sports work. And then when you throw one into the other market, how how are you going to win on either side? You know, San Diego doesn't want to go to L.A., and L.A. doesn't want your San Diego team. So, you know, it was – they definitely overplayed their hand. And, you know, it, it, the smart move – and I'm not sure why nobody stepped in, but the smart move would have just had the Rams and Raiders in L.A. and kept the Chargers in San Diego. I mean, that was easy. Chargers, you know, were in San Diego's 55 years. I mean, that – 
that is a long time to uproot a team and try to start over again when Raiders have moved all over the place and have been in L.A. already, and they already have a big fan base there. So having the Rams and Raiders would be a huge rivalry, but here we are, and the Chargers are now the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, and they're the rivals with the Rams. But, um, yeah, I think it is tough. There is a lot of you know conversations going on at practice that you know they do have to work on a silent count at home because there will be opposing fans and sometimes it'll be so loud it'll be almost like an away game at home mm-hmm. in your own soccer stadium so that that's a real deal and rivers talked about it all last year and you know the chiefs were loud in week one and you know we'll see the ne- the next home game but it is it is a real problem and they have to deal with it in practice well, getting back to team, and this is that's a really interesting conversation to have. I kind of wish we would talk more about it when we had the whole <laughs> around the league conversation before. Oh, yeah. But you guys do have a stud there by the name of Derwin James. I've seen you on Twitter raving about the guy. I'm seeing all kinds of good things about him. What difference is he making in that defense, and what should the Rams be doing to defend against him? I mean, everything. It is um, unlike a lot of players you see coming out of the draft because he, you know, they have him lining up deep as a free safety, but they have him near line of scrimmage in the slot as a slot corner. He's been the strong safety. He's been this faux linebacker. You know, he can, he has really done it all in two weeks. He's led the team in sacks. And, you know, if you watched Derwin James of Florida State, uh, you know, I joke that he was a top five pass rusher in this draft class, not you know, as a safety. He's just so good as a pass rusher, and he's leading the team in sacks with guys like Melvin Ingram on this roster, you know, who are paid to be pass rushers. So, you know, it's it's tough because you always have to account for him. No matter where he is on the field, you have to point out Derwin James. And, you know, I think the Rams will do that and McVay will have them ready, but no matter where he's at, he could blitz at any point. He could be coming after the quarterback. He could be dropping back in coverage. But you have to keep an eye on him because Josh Allen did none of that and didn't point him out. And he almost had four or five sacks in that game. He finished with one. It should have been two. But he is an animal. And uh, he's leading the race in defensive rookie of the year so far. And he deserves it. You know, he's had he, he hasn't given up any big catches. And Gus Bradley last week just let him go. I mean, they took the cuffs off and just let him run. You know, with rookies, you kind of tame him back. But Gus Bradley let him run last week, and he showed out and was the best player on the field uh, last week. So he's going to be a real problem week in and week out. And, you know, when you've got a pass rusher, you can kind of account for him. But, you know, there's been times where Derwin James was lined up as a linebacker in nickel and blitzed from the linebacker spot and almost got a sack that way. So... He's a guy you got to watch out for every single play. Now, you you also mentioned that Joey Bosa will make him better. What's the deal with Joey Bosa right now? How much longer should he be out? Um, they're saying he won't be there uh, this Sunday. They say he's going to be out until October. It's a bone bruise, and those are the type of injuries that just linger. And, you know, there was a chance he could play week one, and then he got a second opinion uh, last week, and uh, he didn't he didn't show up in Buffalo. But you know, they think it's going to be about a four or five week recovery time. So uh, good news for Rams fans. You won't see Joey Bosa. Um, so, um, you know, he should be back in October. But, you know, it's one of those injuries you can't really account for. You know, it's just as soon as he starts mm-hmm. to feel better, he can play. But as of right now, the earliest he can show up is probably October. Now, looking at this team, these two teams together matching on the field, how do you see this game going? Chargers defense versus Rams offense, uh, Rams defense versus Chargers offense. How do you see the matchups right now? You know, 
Um, so I'm, I started a second podcast uh, previewing, you know, upcoming matchups for the Chargers. So I watched both the um, Rams games against the Cardinals and Raiders. And it's hard to find an area where this Charger team is better than the Rams. I mean, this team is – this Rams team is so stacked. And, you know, usually – Every week, you just say, you know what? Chargers have the best corners in the league. They got Casey Hayward, who is a, you know one of the best corners in the league, if not the best behind Jalen Ramsey or in front of him, depending on who you ask. And then you've got Trevor Williams, who's a top 15 uh, corner on the outside. But then you've got Des King, who's a rookie and one of the best slot corners. But then when you talk about guys like Marcus Peter and Aqib Tlaib, who allowed 37 yards combined in the first two games, and then you add in Nickel Roby Coleman, I mean, or Nickel Roby Coleman in, in Nickel, I mean... Come on, man. Sam That's Shields. One of the, uh, yeah, you throw in <laughs> Sam Shields, who finally got some, a start and got a pick last week. I mean, it is insane. I mean, I guess, the, you know, you could maybe say tight end only because Rams don't really feature their tight ends. They don't really feature Gerald uh, Everett or Tyler Higby. He didn't even, they didn't even have a catch week one. He had uh, Higby had the touchdown pass, but you know, two catches, twenty yards, and two games. But that's not really their game, you know. It's not even when you say you know maybe maybe Virgil Green and Antonio Gates are a better duo than Higby Everett. But what does that even mean? That's not even the Rams' strength, you know. So it is it is so tough. This this team is so stacked. I think if you're if you're trying to find a way for the chart, you know, if if the Chargers were to win this game, it would be to try to get out in front of a lead early because the first two games it seemed like to me watching it was you know er, you know ran, the raiders scored early but basically once the rams got a lead they bled out the clock and just drained seconds off the clock and beat down the defense and let wade phillips and his defense rest rest on the sideline and put up points and slowly kill you and they they drowned the cardinals last week just mm-hmm. draining clock and you know i think the defense only had like 35 snaps last week i mean they weren't even on the field yeah so um go on yeah so yeah so i'm I'm just saying you know it seems like you know they want to ground and pound you they want the rams want to kind of drain the clock and they want to just beat it out of you and that's what they've done for two weeks and if somehow you know the chargers can get out to a lead early and hopefully become a shootout and put some pressure on goff maybe the chargers have a chance but this is this is a really tough matchup and the rams are very good i know that's no surprise to you you watch them every week but man watching this team this team is unreal i think that i think the rams are special uh, this year right? oh yeah I think they are i think when you look at their, their secondary itself it is it might be in terms of its starters and only with this death might be the best secondary i've seen in a very long time mm-hmm. in terms of on paper and i can't you know i'm not going to be foolish enough to say it's that's what it is for real but on paper it is the best secondary i've seen in a very long time in the nfl it's just so darn deep uh so i, I really look at the rams defense matchup with the chargers as can the chargers attack that linebacking core and force them to make more plays because right now the rams are relying on that front defensive line and then that strong secondary to allow the linebackers to roam and do some of the things they do. If you, what will happen should the Chargers put more pressure on those linebackers? The Raiders did that in the first half of Week One, and that's how they got their just pounded and pounded and pound the ball. And for whatever reason, the Raiders went away from that. But this Rams team, what they love to do though, is they love. Well, you you kind of hit it with the Chargers that. It, with the Bills game, they didn't really put the, they didn't show the kill factor. The Rams have a kill factor mm-hmm. with them. They, oh, yeah. they want to end you. They want to end you quickly. And they get a lead. They're going to do everything they can to just to bleed you out. And mm-hmm. it's not. It's, a, it's it's painful. So, 
for me, I, if I'm the Chargers, I'm looking to attack those linebackers first, mm-hmm. get them moving away. That's a young core. Mark Barron's probably not playing. So that's what I'd be doing, offensive defense. Yeah, yeah. And that's, um, and I, you know, I was going to kind of work my way back to that. But yeah, that's the only weak- weakness. And I think that the big part of where the Chargers can attack them. I mean, Jerry Cook, you saw Jerry Cook, he went for 180, nine catches, you know, in week one. They, you know, attacking the middle of the field is what they did against the Bills too. You know, they um, they saw the uh, the mic for the Bills is Tremaine Edmonds, who's a who's a rookie, and they've got their will as Matt Milano, and they just made him run and cover. And I think they're gonna want to do that again this week. And they did it with Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler, their duo out of the backfield. And they did it with Virgil Green, their tight end. And they ran Keenan Allen and Tyrell Williams and crossers in the middle of the field, making those linebackers run and cover and making everybody match up one on one and making everybody have to win their matchups. And you know, most linebackers can't run with the running backs that the Chargers have. And um, and they do pretty good in the middle of the field. So that is definitely a plus in the Chargers column, and that's something they can definitely attack. But, you know, every other part of the field, whether you're talking about the defensive line and Sue and Donald, I mean, you know, can, can they hold up long enough to get a pass in the middle of the field? And, you know, if Tlaib and Marcus Peters, who, you know, obviously come from the AFC West, Charger fans know all about the, that duo, you know, if they if, you know, if they're covering, can, can you get anything completed? Because they're giving up no yards. I mean, they're playing so lights out that, you know, not that you, you can't, you don't test them because I think you still have to go after Peters and, and Tlaib. But, you know, those who didn't follow Peters in Kansas City, Peters had Rivers' number. I mean, every game Peters was picking off Rivers and it seemed like he knew what was going on. And Rivers was gambling a lot and Peters w- was winning a lot. So uh, we'll see again in a different jersey how this works out. But yeah, I think you're right. I think the middle of the field attacking the Rams linebackers is a positive for the Chargers, but you know, again, there's there's a lot to like about this this Rams defense. And will Rivers have enough time? Because he's not mobile enough to get out of the pocket. Everybody knows that he's a statue there. So do, will they give will the offensive line give him enough time to complete those passes? Well, one more thing too, you you kind of hit there too turnovers. It, the, this Rams team will destroy you if you turn this ball over. I know it's cliche, it's cliche. You know, everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Hey, turn the ball over, you're going to lose. With this Rams team, they will make you pay over and over and over again. They don't make mistakes when they turn when the when they get the ball back. They just don't. That's that's something they did last year. They made teams pay over and over again. It's it's going to ha- it's happening this year. You just cannot turn the. Philip Rivers has to have a perfect game. Mm-hmm. It really does. Yeah, I think on all phases, the Chargers have to have a perfect game to win. Uh, on Sunday because, you know, whether whether it's um, containing Gurley or trying to find some way to stop the trio of, you know, Woods and Cup and Cooks because Tyreek Hill burnt him in week one and you've got three pretty quick wide receivers now. Not just one, you've got three. And that's where the corners struggle is with speed. I mean, they can, they're physical and they will be in your hip pocket, but with speed, they have some problems. And uh, so... So we'll see there on on uh, on defense too when the when the Rams are on offense and then on special teams, you know I, I don't I don't know about you I don't I don't know if you've seen anything anymore from JoJo Natson but last week that kid looked dangerous yeah. and you know that's not even that's not even Farrell Cooper who's your usual returner I, <laughs> Natson is crazy electric 
there were several of us who were surprised that he didn't make the team because uh-huh. he was doing this all over the preseason. But they, you know, in the preseason, you're doing this, doing this against you know second, third teamers, yeah, four teamers. He can't. But we still thought you know, you know this guy's got something. You better keep him. And then he comes in now and does what he does. And you're <laughs> thinking, okay, the Rams cannot let this guy go. If they let him go again, somebody will take him. You can't just uh- drop him now and put him back to the practice squad. Somebody will come get him. And you know so, who will? It'll be the Chargers because they are struggling for a returner and they're always scouring the wire for the next punt and kick returner because they do not have it right now. And then it surprises me that they didn't get <laughs> I mean, the Rams are across town. They, they knew what Natson was doing. I'm surprised yeah. they didn't get him. I really am. Yeah. Um, I know you got to go. Real quick, flipping it around, the Chargers defense now matching up against the, the Rams offense. Uh, what do the Chargers have to do to win this? You know, to win this game against the offense. You know, um, it's going to be tough. I mean, I think they have to put as much pressure on Goff as they can because I'm not sure it's going to be tough winning against, like I mentioned, against those three speedy receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about the tight ends and not not having to really worry about that. But you know, Todd Gurley, they haven't really been tested in the run game. We'll see how good they are and. They've done pretty good with uh, receiving uh, with receiving running backs with McCoy and Kareem Hunt not really getting anything after the catch. So we'll see how they do with Gurley, but it's it is tough because there is I I, I love the Rams' offensive line with Whitworth and haven't seen off the edge. Having Joey Bosa would help this game a lot, and I think it would uh, it would really I mean turn things around and make maybe things a little bit closer. But only having one pass rusher, you know, teams' offensive offenses had just allocated a man to Melvin Ingram's side and made somebody else beat them. And so far, nobody's been able to do it except the safety Derwin James. So the the third, fourth pass rusher, Chris Landrum and Isaac Rochelle, are not getting any push and are nowhere near getting, you know, any of the production that Joey Bosa does, obviously. So that's going to be tough. But I think, you know, if you if you send Derwin James enough or Des King and you can you can pressure Goff a little bit, I think you might be able to do it. I mean, Goff on third down hasn't been very good this year. He's I think he's the fifth worst passer rating. I think he's got a 52.3. So you know, on money downs, if they can, if they can kind of put some pressure on, like they did last week on Josh Allen, I think you might have a chance. But then again, I mean, you you get too aggressive, and McVeigh will hurt you. He will hurt you. So I mean, it's like pick your poison. It is, it is tough. And I have to say, I really like the right guard, Austin Blythe. Man, did he look good? <laughs> yeah, there's a really, really good chance this weekend. Jamon Brown is not get his job back. Yeah, yeah, I, I so. loved Blythe. So anyway, um, yeah, there's gonna be. There's going to be a lot of things that the Chargers are going to have to account for. And with, um, you know, Todd Gurley on the backfield, it's going to be the rookie, Kaiser White, who's going to have to cover him. And we'll just see how this goes. I mean, again, if the Chargers, you know, if the Chargers can kind of contain these fast running backs and or, and uh, wide receivers and hopefully, you know, do enough to contain Todd Gurley and then put some pressure on Goff, maybe, maybe they have a chance. But... This is a very tall ask. I mean, they were—they're the fifth-ranked offense in yards per play, and then the defense is allowing the fifth fewest yards per play. I mean, that's from top to bottom. This team is just is special, like you said earlier. Okay, so here we go. What is your prediction? Make the call. Who's how's this game go? Oh, you know, I, I think the Chargers end up losing this game. Uh, I think I think the Rams are just going to be too much, and uh, I think I don't think they. I don't think the spread's going to be as far as it has with the first two games. You know, I what was the fewest is like what twenty, and game one is thirty three thirteen. So I say Chargers lose maybe in single digits. Maybe it's a eight 
point loss, seven point loss, but I don't think it's it's quite as far as they've if they've done in the first two weeks. So I think the Chargers end up losing. They make it close, but I think ultimately they just in the third, you know, mid third quarter, they just bleed out the Chargers and just run out the clock long enough to win this game. I'm similar to you. I had the Rams going 30-20. I think the same thing. The Rams mm-hmm. pull away mid third quarter. Just start, you know, start really hammering home some of that depth they have, have especially on offense. So I think we're pretty close there. Yeah. All right. So Garrett, hey, give folks a shout out because I gave it earlier. Go ahead and let people know where to find you and keep track of what you, what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm at Garrett on Twitter. I'm going to be releasing a podcast on Thursday previewing this game with the Rams. So Rams fans, if you want to uh, listen to that, the podcast is called Score More with Garrett Sisti, and that's me. So follow me there. Uh, got another podcast called The Lightning Round Podcast, doing it there. Uh, you can, you'll be able to find me, but um, good luck this Sunday. And, man, do you guys have a special team here. Yeah, well, we, we're thankful. We waited a long time for it. <laughs> uh, you, and you know what? You should have had us on your show. Come on now. <laughs> we could have came on. I know it. I know it. I recorded it on Monday. Uh, it's too early. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right, Norm. There are several, several things unpacked from that conversation. What did you take about his views on the actual matchup itself? Well, I think he's kind of on point with what we're thinking as well. Um, you know, the Chargers are, in, are a talented team. You've got, you've got guys like, you know, Melvin Ingram on defense, uh, Derwin James on defense, who's really shown out, you know, as a rookie. Uh, Melvin Gordon, running back, Phillip Rivers. I mean, you know, everybody talks about how we're a star-studded team. They've got quite a bit of star power, too. And... You know, if the chips fall their direction, they've got a real good chance of winning this game. I I don't think that's going to happen, but, you know, I'm in line with him. I I think that they're going to exploit the tight end, uh, trying to get yards with us on the tight end. They're going to try to establish the running game. And I think the Rams counter with more of a dime defense. Uh, What I mean by that is, try to stop the run with the front four or front five, so to speak, and use, you know, a defensive back like Shields or uh, Mikhail Ruby Coleman to cover the tight end. That way we're not reliant so much on our linebackers. Uh, you know, after, after Jared Cook had such a great game against us and, you know, with the Raiders, they had to make adjustments to make that, go away and I think you'll probably see that happen a little earlier in this game and uh, you know I, I again I agree with both your conversations in there it seems to me like both teams are on the rise but I think the Rams are a little bit further along and you know I, I think we'll see that on the field on Sunday I think there's more stability right now than the Rams organization I don't really think the Chargers have really adjusted as well yet to the Los Angeles area. And I, I, that you can kind of see that when you watch this, watch this team. During the interview, you know, I admitted that I shouldn't have gone 15-1. And you questioned me on the pro, on the actual show about the Chargers going 15-1. And now hindsight between 20 and 20, I didn't, I didn't look at the, the other factors, the X factors. And there are so many issues surrounding this team that have nothing to do with the talent on the field that really, to me, would kind of keep them from avoiding all the noise. 
And so it's hard for me to say, well, looking at the talent in the field, looking at what's there, this is a, a toss-up. No, it's not. Right now, the Rams are the the better team. They're better equipped right now, anyways. It's just unfortunate for Chargers fans, what four or five of them there are out there in L.A., but, <laughs> I mean, that's really – that's. I'm looking forward to the game, though. I'm looking forward to seeing Phil Rivers again against the Rams. Well, I can tell you this. So far, you're not wrong because they're one and one. So. Yeah, I I think I will be after this weekend. <laughs> well, I hope um, you're wrong after this weekend. Well, before we move on, we have one more one more word from a sponsor here. We do want to go over real quick over the, the injuries and then before we get back to the conversation with Garrett. Um, right now for the Rams, it looks like Mark Barron's missing again this week. He's, he's a DNP in participation. Michael Brockers with his shoulders limited today. This is Thursday, by the way. John Sullivan, center, out with an ankle injury right now. Did not play in practice. Andrew, Andrew Whitworth is back to being full contact. And, of course, Greg Zerline is out for an unknown amount of weeks. On the Chargers side, tackle Joe Barksdale with a knee injury. He was a DNP today, so it was Joey Bosa. So we know Joey Bosa is out. Antonio Gates, tight end. That one was the kind of guy we would keep an eye on. He needed DNP with an illness. Derek Watt, fullback, limited duty. Travis Benjamin did not play with the foot injury. To me, that's big. Travis, Travis Benjamin is a speed guy for them who can really stretch the field when needed. And Melvin Gordon is full contact with a, uh, with a neck injury, but he's getting full contact. So, um, hey, do you want to talk about Sal? Well, first, you know, Sean McVay's press conference today, uh, he spoke a little bit about uh, – about Sullivan and uh, and uh, Michael Brockers saying that uh, they were both just uh, slightly sore, not really injured, and that he just held them out for their own protection and well-being and said that they'll be fine for the game. So it shouldn't be a problem there. But uh, as far as the Golden Ram Barbershop goes, I would be happy to talk about them. Uh, Sal has been with us since the very beginning, so we'd like to give a shout-out to the Golden Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and like the old-school barbershop experience, you must check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal opened the shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day they left for St. Louis and has kept the lights on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 7267. Make sure you use the promo code RAMSTALK so that he knows that we sent you to get a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open from Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. A visit to a shop is worth it just to enjoy the Rams memorabilia there. It's it's totally cool. It's like a big museum for the Rams. It's awesome. But he also provides that old school barbershop experience, talking Rams football and more. Trust me, folks, you won't regret it. He's even managed to make Derek and I look pretty good visiting the shop. And, of course, you know, Magic Johnny's now infamous after visiting Sal. <laughs> I wish I could have gone this this out before my last haircut. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got to say this, folks. Uh, we when we first skyped tonight, Derek came on the screen, and it was like, "Oh my God, did you fall into a vat of nair or what?" <laughs> <laughs> so, just the, the story was my my cross country kids. They uh, I made a I made a promise to them that if they actually went to yesterday's meet and improved their times, that I would 
shave my head. And, well, they improved their times. So me being the man of my word that I am, I went to school today and, oh my gosh, the shocked faces. Oh my gosh. After seeing Derek, I bet the next time they're like, no, 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 we don't want that reward. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what we're talking about. Go get a real haircut, folks, at Gold Ram Barber's Shop. Norm, moving into, you know, continue to unpack this interview with Garrett. The You mentioned what you think that the Chargers will do on offense. What do you think are the Rams' best options with their offense against, again, I almost said San Diego, against the L.A. Chargers defense? Well, I, I mean, I don't think you're going to see much different. I think you might see a, a little more Todd Gurley running the football. I think you might see our tight ends get a little more involved this game. But I, I just don't see Coach McVay doing anything different other than keeping his foot on the accelerator and going like he has been. You know, it used to, when we used to watch the Rams and you'd see him, you know, third and 17, you'd be like, oh, God, here we go again, another punt. But now third and 17, eh, well, we might get this one. And it happens more often than not, usually to Robert Woods and now Brandon Cook. So I, I just see him keeping his foot on the accelerator. They're, I think he's going to figure out what's going to work and he'll go for it. I, I really, truly think you'll see more from our tight ends. And if they can establish the run with Todd Gurley, it's lights out. Well, two things there, and a lot of it goes in line with what you're saying. I think we will see more tight end work. I think we will see more running the football early in the game, in part because of Ingram, and also because we don't know where when James is going to be in the field at all times. So if they can kind of use the blitzes that he makes to the offense's advantage by catching those blitzes, they're gonna, they're, it's going to be a track meet real quick for that Rams offense. So I'll expect more screens, some more quick outs, more quick ins, you know, all those different little quick routes to get those tight ends involved. I'm expecting more of a short game to set up the long game with this Rams offense on Sunday, and I think there's a really good chance it'll work. Yeah, there'll be a lot of play action, I think. Uh, you know, run the football in the beginning. You know, try to establish that, but still get first down, still drive the field. You know, so try to establish the run game as much as possible and then go off play action, you know, like like he has been. But I think this time they're going to focus so much on Brandon Cooks and, and Robert Woods that Cooper Cup and the tight ends will probably have a pretty good game. So that's that's kind of where I'd see it going. And on defense, you know, Rivers has a quick release, but... He's a veteran who sees the field pretty well, and he's liable to hold the football a little longer. So I'm kind of expecting the sacks total to go up a little bit more this game. And, and he doesn't he just doesn't move well anymore. No. And he's, he's not going to go. If, if Barksdale's out and some of the other guys are not where they need to be, I'm expecting that defensive line to start breaking out a little more, especially now as they're getting more time together. It's only really Aaron Donald's, what, his second game fully engaged now? Well, this will be his third, but yeah. But coming back late from camp, I would think this is more along the lines where we start seeing him really in shape. And I'm, and by in shape, I'm I'm talking like his normal pro football focus rating of 99, where he had like a 92 rating last weekend. Aaron, you know, Aaron Donald's just an animal. So yeah, that 92 really sucked, huh? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I'm expecting you'll see a lot more Aaron Donald, and I think Sue's going to have a big impact. But you know, a lot of people. And, and I know even you're guilty of this a little bit. 
when you see a quarterback drop back and you start watching them look through their reads, you know, you're thinking that they're going, okay, first read's not there, second read's not there, third read's not there, okay, fourth read, that's what I'm going to. The amount of times that a quarterback actually gets to the third or fourth read hardly ever happens. I mean, it truly doesn't happen very often. So if Rivers goes to his first read and it's not open, goes to his second read and it's not open, then I have a feeling he's going to be, you know, laying under Sue or Donald at that point. Or moving out of the pocket to try and get rid of that football. Well, I agree. And if he moves out of the pocket, that's just a benefit to us because he doesn't throw as well out of the pocket. And with the speed that we have on the outside, especially with Ibacam, uh uh, it's lights up. Who's, so. who's really been coming on, by the way? He has. He has. Uh, we, you know, the first week we kind of had words about him, and then the second week he stepped it up, had the only sack, and and you can see his quickness out there when he's not when he's not being covered as much because you know Sue Donald and Brockers are taken up on you know guys on the line. It really opens the door up for him. So I would expect to see him have a good game. I just think that. You know, I think, what, what was it, our corners are allowing like 37 yards a game or something so far in the first two weeks. I think they've, I think they've is it combined? I think it's combined, 37 yards. So, they're going to they're gonna be trying to work the tight ends a bit, I think. Yeah, but my, my point is, is if, if we're covering that well, and Marcus Peters, you know, his trend with, with uh, the Chargers and with Phillip Rivers is way on his side. I mean, he's he's intercepted Rivers in just about every game. You know Rivers is going to be a little gun-shy about going that way. So, you know, okay, go ahead and throw towards Aqib Tlaib. I'm okay with that. <laughs> True. And this is what I love about our secondary. This is what I love about our defense this year. How are you going to pass on us? At least consistently. You're gonna, you'll always get some. The better teams will always get some. But how are you going to do it consistently? How are you going to put up a ton of points. How are you going to do it? This this secondary last year that was a big concern for us. Remember, we were really concerned that who's going to be who's behind Jermaine Johnson, who's going to be the number two corner, who's going to work well in nickel and dime situations, and then everybody stepped up, especially later in the year. This year, I keep saying it, and I I'm daring somebody. Please help me out. I'm not, I'm not mean this in a way that's adversarial. Somebody tell me. From top to bottom in our secondary, what team in the NFL in the last twenty years has had a deeper one? Yeah, the only the only team that even come close comes close right now would be the Jaguars, and they're phenomenal. But I don't know that they're quite as deep as we are. That's the thing. Uh, you know, when you take Sam Shields and put him out there, or Mikel Roby Coleman, I mean. With the guys we already have out there, that's tough. And that's why I say I think you're going to see a lot of dime packages, you, you know, one middle linebacker and add a defensive back. Because if you if you do that, I think it's going to make it really hard on Rivers to throw. And that is if our defensive line can contain Melvin, you know, uh, Melvin Gordon. If they can, that's going to make life real difficult on Phillip Rivers. If Gordon can have a good game, and can rush against us where we have to keep, you know, our typical 3-4 with, you know, four, four linebackers, I think that gives Rivers an advantage. So, you know, I'm really – I'm going to be really looking for our defensive line to step up and stop the run this week. If they can do that, this game's over. Especially early. Yes. 
especially early. Okay, so here we go. You already heard my prediction. I have them going 30-20. Rams win. What do you call in this game? 33-17. So we're close. Still go each way. Yeah. I, you know, I'm going to stick with the Rams doing 33 points a game. I don't think, I, I don't think that this defense is going to pose much more of a challenge than the Cardinals. And let's be honest, the Rams could have put another 14 points on the Cardinals last week if they really wanted to, especially if Zerloin would have been there to kick or even Ficken for that matter. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with 33. I, I, Honestly, don't think that there's many teams in the NFL right now that could score more than 13 points on the Rams if they're on. But the Chargers are one of those teams that have a pretty prolific offense, so that's why I'm going to give them 17. All right, folks, so there you go. Before we head out for the day, you also want to ask, hey, we are looking for sponsors for, for this season. It's a great, inexpensive way to get the word out in your business. Our numbers are outstanding right now. I'm pretty proud of this. I'm pretty proud of where we are a year ago. I couldn't even... I would never imagine we would have grown this much. And so we're, we're grateful, but we'd like to partner with you as well. So get, get in now, get some, uh, save some money, get some good advertising with us, and we appreciate your partnership. Okay, You can reach out to us at, at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. Yeah, we're and, working on some pretty big things right now. And one of the things that we're working on, if uh, that happens to come to fruition, uh, getting into advertising now would be a lot more beneficial. Yeah, we we're working on it. If it happens, um, you're getting a bargain. Let's just say that. Yeah. Okay. Um, trivia, trivia. Believe it or not, nobody, nobody sent me the right answer to this. Can you believe that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. I, 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 1953 Los Angeles Rams were the only team to beat the NFL's Western champs, the eventual Western champs that year. Who was that team? And they actually beat them twice. Email us your answer. Ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. The fifth response wins a copy of Hollywood's team unless somebody actually just sends us, is the only person to give us a correct answer, and then that person wins. Well, and it's the fifth correct response, right? Yes, yes, the fifth correct response. So, you haven't had five correct responses yet. Matter of fact, we haven't had one correct response yet. It blows me away. I also feel kind of good about that. It means we have people with integrity and don't cheat. We can easily Google this, you know. So <laughs> I can look at that that way, and we have people who don't cheat. So there you uh, go. I don't. I don't judge. Well, yeah. Well, we we all know. You know, your version of judgment would be bashing somebody's head, and you know. <laughs> you don't. Do you, do you folks know how many how many threats of physical violence I get from Norm each week? I already had one today. Gosh, seriously. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can follow me on Twitter at DC Paula and Norm, Big Norm Hightower. No, it's just Norm Hightower. Okay, don't forget some iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all those wonderful places. A five-star review still enters you into our long-running, never-ending contest. Uh, it, it is $50 gifts to get to NFLShop.com. Please help us. Put us just... Put us out of our misery, please, with this thing. So we can give give somebody some money. All right. Anything else from Norm? No, I'm just stoked about Sunday's game. Can't wait to see how we do, and and if the results turn out the way I think, we're going to be three and zero and looking for a tough Minnesota team. So I'm excited. I'm I'm stoked for this game. I'm stoked for the next two weeks, and I'm I'm, I'm just ready to go. So there you go, folks. For Norm Hightower, this is Derek C. Paul. Take it easy. Let's see you Sunday night. 
Adiós. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.